The Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space Podcast. Created from an atomic fireball hurled from outer space. The Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space Podcast. Threatens man's very existence on Earth. Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space Podcast. Battles Godzilla, Mothra, and Rodan for mastery of the world. Men quake before the terror of their unleashed fury. All new, all never to be forgotten. A new high in visions from Monsterland. Hello everyone, welcome to the Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space podcast. My name is Jerry, and joining me, of course, is uh, 10 out of 10. Derek, how you doing? Frying some lizards right now, you know. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. And then also joining us is uh, the uh, Italian Kaiju himself, Donanelli. Screonk, everyone. And then last... But certainly not least, uh, the man of so many podcasts, I always have to ask him which ones he's doing, Mr. Venom. The Dimension Tide is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I will I will agree there. And that is the hint <laughs> to the movie we are doing. We are doing uh, Godzilla vs. Megaguirus. I had to ask Don how to pronounce that like seven times now. Um, because, I, why am I the host of this show again? I can't pronounce anyone's It was your idea. Uh, you're the loudest. <laughs> it was your idea. <laughs> it was your creation. Uh, it was your s- idea to bring us together. Yeah, I gotta stop <laughs> making so many mistakes. Um, <laughs> At least they're going forward. Well, you brought us together. So you brought us together, so that was one good idea. <laughs> That's true. So uh, we are talking about Godzilla versus Megaguirus, which came out in Japan in the year 2000. Uh, and uh, this is definitely an interesting one. Japan creates an artificial black hole device to trap Godzilla forever, but a test of the device creates new foes for Godzilla. Car-sized dragonflies called Meganula and their queen, Megagirus. Uh yes. With that being said, we are going to jump right into this crazy fucking movie and and i you know what since the first thing i want to talk about is something i do love from the movie and it's in the very beginning i'm actually going to go first this time i love the opening to this movie with the new godzilla design set into the old black and white footage uh that is fucking awesome it looks great it gives a great feel and it lets us know that uh this much like almost every other godzilla in the millennium series is a direct sequel to the first movie that pretty much forgets everything else. And With, I personally think it's a great way to open a movie. And uh, on that note, we should uh, mention that this is uh, alternate history time here. 
um, once again, we have the 54 film as the starting point in this for this particular film. But after that, it goes off on a different course. Uh, apparently, at the according to this film, Sarazawa didn't have the oxygen destroyer, which killed Godzilla, so he still lived at the end of the film. But after that, Godzilla appeared only in 1966 when he attacked the first nuclear power plant in Tokai. And then we flash forward 30 years to 1996 when Godzilla appears in Osaka when they begin a plasma energy research project. And from there, we flash forward once again to 2001, where the main movie takes place. So need to uh, just get that little bit of information out there so that way people know where we are and what we're going on here. Yeah, you said that yeah. way better than me, so I'm super glad you're here. <laughs> yeah. uh, so so wait, quick question, Don, how would you how do you pronounce this director's name that directed this? Masaki Tezuka. Yeah, this is another thing that we should note that this is actually his first Godzilla film and he went on to direct two more after this one. Yeah, he did and, uh, the, the the Mechagodzilla ones, right? Tokyo yeah, SOS. Yeah, he was. Yeah, against yeah, Mechagodzilla and Tokyo SOS. Yeah, and um, he was also the assistant director on the '93 uh, film. Oh, um, uh, he the worked on the re Mech Rebirth of Mothra series, also. Right. Yeah, but that, yeah. that's where he got his start. He was the assistant director on the '93 Mechagodzilla movie. Which explains why he does the two Mechagodzilla movies later on in the Millennium series. And ironically, yeah, and ironically, one of the writers of that Mechagodzilla movie is also one of the writers of this movie too, Wataro Mimura. Uh, yeah, Wataro Mimura. Ah, <laughs> that one's a tongue twister. <laughs> yeah, Wataro Mimura. <laughs> I can't say half these fucking names, so I just depend on y'all. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, this one does do the alternative timeline. And in the Millennium series, we actually see a lot of just throwing away everything and just being a direct sequel to the first one. That's right, Halloween. You're not doing anything new. Godzilla's been on that tip uh, for yeah. a long time. Um, <laughs> but uh, since, uh, Don, you threw that piece of information, let's throw it to you. What is, your, what is one of your favorite things about this movie? I guess one of the big things for me is just a shit ton of cool special effects. I mean, I mean, it's just going to start out here. That battle on the islands with the swarm, that thing is, that that's one of my favorite things about this is that you get a ton of special effects in this film. You get CGI, you get a little bit of the practical miniatures, you get actually far better composite shots and there's it, just like a wide range of creativity in the different special feature special effects in here and it's actually rather enjoyable i completely agree with you uh the uh the cgi for uh the swarm of bugs was done really well uh the godzilla underwater cgi shots still not that great they haven't quite figured that out from godzilla 2000 yet both of those were a little shaky but the CGI of the bugs, I actually thought was pretty good for uh, Japan, considering they do not do the CGI budgets that we do here in America. And considering the um, film Python with uh, Jenny McCarthy was comparable CGI at the time point, I'm willing to give this a kind of a pass. They look about the same. That <laughs> is very true. I love Python. 
That's uh, why yeah. I mentioned it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in fact, you can check out the uh, can the KFC for Python on uh, the YouTube channel for Kill the Cast, where you can also find, bam, this podcast. Uh, oh, now yeah. we'll move on to 10 out of 10 Derek. Derek, what's something you love about this movie? Well, there's actually a lot of things I like about this one because this one's actually one of my favorite Godzilla films. <laughs> wow. Would you say it's in your top 10 or... Uh, top 15. Top 15, okay. I, I like this one a lot more like on rewatch. And then... Like, the way that this director does this film, it's very Showa-era-based, where it has a lot of Showa-era... Not even Showa-Godzilla films, but Showa-era kaiju films in general. Like, the whole G-Graspers is kind of a play on the Science Patrol that we'll be talking about them in a minute. Do you guys agree on that? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that was completely on it. It, it and, re- this movie actually reminds me a lot of like Godzilla versus Space Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's it's that in I don't want to say too much because I want to get I want to have uh, Mr. Venom say what he likes about this film before we uh, start breaking into more things we like. So uh, I'm gonna throw it back to you, Derek, to finish your thought on uh, the G Graspers and such. Yeah, you know, and also, like, there's a lot of, like, the aspects of, like, the story. Like, like, the action scenes are great in this one. And, you know, the music is a, ten times better than young Gary's music, too, like, when I revisit this one. <laughs> and, and another note, uh, this is a female composer that did the score, who also actually did the score for uh, Full Metal Alchemist. She's the composer for that series, if you guys are fans of that i recently watched uh full metal alchemist brotherhood because yeah. i had watched i when I, when full metal alchemist first came out i watched it and i really didn't like it um so but everyone was like oh you need to check out full metal alchemist brotherhood it's so much better and i watched it and i have to say that is one of the best series i've ever watched and i hold very high standards when it comes to anime and Oh, fantastic, guys. If you want a really cool, um, like, World War II German-esque anime that has as much, like, ups and downs and plot twists and tragedies as, say, like, Game of Thrones, this is the anime for you. It is it is always... Oh, man, I could do a whole show on, on just that. But I won't do that. Uh, but I like that, I, I like that that's the same composer because... Such yeah, as I say, yeah, and plus another note before we get into it, we'll probably talk about it more like when we get to these movies. But when this director did his other Godzilla movies, he brought this composer back, and he brought like the major like themes. Like you, you still hear like the Akira Kube like major themes in this movie, but they gave like Godzilla like this like. Did you say Akira theme. Kube? Ufa Kube. I see it right. Kube. Okay, I thought I, I heard thought, Kube. I was like, Kube. I thought that was a Skype glitch. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, never mind. Yeah, I thought I'm that not... was like, I thought that was a Skype glitch. I was like, <laughs> okay, um, and then all yeah. of a sudden you caught it, and I was like, oh shit, he did say that. <laughs> <laughs> I did, but you know, you also have like this other like themes that they bring over to those other films, which I do like because I've been, I'm actually a fan of all those ones. But we'll get into those in a minute when we get to them. So that's all I gotta really say. I do enjoy this one. All right. Yeah, I'm not saying it's like a perfect film. I do have some flaws with it, but we'll get into those in a minute. 
Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, Mr. Venom. What is something you love about this movie? Oh uh, well, I'm I'm right there with Derek. I like a lot about this movie. Um, this is probably I, I'm I'm probably going to echo a lot of what Derek said. I'm, I, this is probably a top fifteen, even potentially a top ten for me. Um, I, I ad- admittedly I haven't seen every single Godzilla movie, and it's guaranteed that you guys have seen more than I have. So yeah, I absolutely love this movie. But just to start right from the beginning w- with something that Jerry already mentioned, uh, that narrative recap at the beginning, I absolutely love that little recap. Um, it, it that it. It kind of gives people who've never seen a Godzilla movie, and granted, if you've never seen a Godzilla movie, I don't know why you're starting with a 2000 movie, but still, on the off chance that you've never seen one, that that little narrative recap gives you just enough to kind of get a little bit of backstory on our our little reptilian hero, and um, and, and then throws you right into the movie. And then the next point I wanted to make was just how fast the action starts. I mean, we get an action sequence right at the beginning. As soon as that narrative recap is over, we get, you know, Godzilla just absolutely fucking Osaka up. And yeah. <laughs> which was, which was just a great scene. I really, really like this one. Um, uh, another thing I wanted to mention, which I mentioned at the very start, the Dimension Tide. I mean, aside from how cool the gun itself is, how fucking great is that name? The Dimension Tide. Mm-hmm. That is a menacing sounding weapon uh, just, you know, just from title alone. I mean, it doesn't really give away what it does. Which yeah, it's adds not like the, the Oxygen Destroyer. where you exactly. It's the Oxygen Destroyer. You know exactly what that is. When someone's like, yeah. oh, yeah, this is the Dimension Tide, you're like, the fuck? What is exactly? <laughs> you know what else is awesome? The fucking about the Dimension Tide, Junko build it. Godzilla versus Mothra. Oh right, right. I, I will say that um, I this movie is one of the most unique uh, Godzilla movies there is. Not only because someone said, "Hey, how can we destroy Godzilla?" Oh well, let's fucking shoot miniature black holes at him. Because that sounds like a good idea. Like, at no point did anyone be trying to make black holes, much less miniature black holes that shoot down from a satellite like it's fucking Akira. <laughs> like, yeah. no. not. A- and then you have, like, the dimension ripping, and, like, not only that, but you have, like, really... Re- this movie has a very unique style, and some of it I actually don't like, uh... Some of the movements of Godzilla in this movie are very odd. And I don't know if it's the camera trickery. It almost feels very video game-ish with how Godzilla moves sometimes. I know... Um, let me get, Let me guess. It's all in the end battle with the queen, right? Yeah, there's just <laughs> okay, yeah, weird... Yeah, we'll get to that. I, I know what you're talking about. I have a way to explain all that. We'll get to it. Are you talking about the leap? Uh, no, no, not the leap. The leap is just... That's just campy... Action! Well, I can accept that as just. Campy I know. Action. I know. I know what Jerry's talking about. I know what Jerry's talking about. When we get to that part of the movie, I, I know exactly what that is. I'll talk about. Well, it. I'm bringing uh, up that part of the movie. Why okay, so, is Godzilla moving so fucking weird? Okay, that's actually supposed to be Mega Gurus's point of view. That's what it's supposed to be. That's supposed to be how Mega Gurus is observing the fight. Ah, uh, okay. Because he's moving super fast, so Godzilla would be like slow so into his eyesight. Right, so he, that's why it, that's why there's that strobing effect where it looks like he's kind of like stepping in slow motion. That never occurred to me. Yeah, and, because every wow. single time, every single time it's forward facing onto it's 
it's always forward facing on Godzilla. So that's Mega Gurus's eye view. Well, that's how that's how he's picturing Godzilla. Yeah, so, it's kind of like the similar to like when the original. I mean, the re, uh, '90s Heisei Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. When you see uh, the first shot of Mega King Ghidorah, and you see it from Mega King Ghidorah's point of view, and you see Godzilla in slow motion going you know, like in that first last battle of that scene. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Well, that, honestly, that was the thing I disliked about the movie the most was the, these weird Godzilla movies. But now that you've explained it, uh, that's not really uh, something I don't like now. Uh, so I'll, I'll you've already convinced me that uh, it's a flawless movie. Ten out of ten. We're done here. Okay. Uh, no. Uh, in fact, let's get into some of the issues with this movie, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pass it over to Derek. Derek, what's an issue you had with this movie? You know, I didn't like how they developed the main, like, douchey guy, the guy that was the head of the huge grass, where you knew something was up with him. But I think they could have developed it a little better because it kind of seemed a little stale in that issue of the story. It was very weak. It felt like it kind of came out of nowhere. Like, yeah. Uh, or not that you knew something was kind of up. But just the way they went about it, it, it didn't feel epic. It didn't feel like a surprise. It felt it was it was just like monotone. It was. He's a, he's a businessman, of course. He's going to be shady. Yeah, true that. I mean, so yeah, I agree with you that that part of the story definitely could have been punched up if you had enough time to write in a joke about him using robots to do the bowl trick. You didn't mm. have time to write a better like reveal. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, like just like the way that like the dub delivers it too. It does seem more stale than it might have been in the Japanese. Because uh, I did watch both, but I've watched the dub more often. You know yeah, what I'm, I'm a dub when it com- I'm sorry when it comes to Godzilla movies. I am a dub fan. I grew up on the dubs. I love the dubs. I understand watch, especially for these later movies where there's not a lot changed. Um, mm-hmm. But for it, something about the, I've never watched a Godzilla movie where I was just like, I hate this dub. I love them. I, I I'm used to those dubs. That's just how I grew up watching them. So like, I'm not one of these purists that have to watch it in the original Japanese version. No, nah, fuck that. Give me King Kong versus Godzilla American dub all day. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'll take that. All right. Uh, we will move right on to the Don himself. Don, what is something you didn't like about this movie? Okay. Let's uh, just whip it right out on the table and get the uh, elephant out of the room. Oh, okay. It's an How? elephant? It's that big? Yes, exactly. <laughs> wow. The okay, Dimension Tide us. itself. The dimension tide itself. Now let's forget all of the theories and all of the physics involved in launching the thing. Let's talk about how they tested it and where. This is a device that fires black holes. It's For those that don't know, it is a form of space matter that sucks energy and light into it. You're firing this in a populated area. It's remote, but it's still a populated part of Japan. They have roadblocks to prevent people from going anywhere near this thing. So there's people in the area. Your security force consists of two bozos with sunglasses and semi-machine guns. 
a 10-year-old kid snuck his way through. So that is an example of how tight your security is for this weapon that could potentially suck the entire Earth into it. And you're going to fire that thing on populated area in Japan. That's a valid point. Um, I didn't even really think about that. Uh, wow, Japan, uh, well, your for, security for whatever it's worth. Up. I mean, for whatever it's worth, the black hole doesn't last very long. It's not like it's an eternal black hole that just sits there and sucks but everything. In. But it's it's not a, a limited uh, fire rate. But there's no way that they would have known that. This is their first firing. Uh, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, it also brought giant insects. Okay, yeah, that's another thing. <laughs> there's that, too. Okay, that, that's another thing. This is a universe with Godzilla's in it. So you know that there's some freaky monster stuff going on around you. Now, all of a sudden, you spot this giant dragonfly flying into this black hole that shot off that you know, you're know you not supposed to know about. This dragonfly flies into it, and you check the flight pattern of where it came from, and you spot this huge, weird, misshapen egg in the forest. It looks alien. It doesn't belong. Nothing is ringing off alarm bells saying, alert the authorities, alert the authorities, alert the authorities. To be fair, he's a little kid. So that, I mean, that still, is kind of the, it's kind of the still, trope. I'm, I'm kind of glad that he didn't go right away to the authorities because that would have been turned into a fucking Gamera movie right away. <laughs> you know? And, but still, it's just one of those things where he has it with him long enough to take it from the forest out to the major city. You know, nobody's going to notice it. Nobody's going to see this like ten, this 10 year old kid with this egg sticking out of his backpack. That's almost as tall as he is. That egg had a lot of eggs. Dude. And if you think <laughs> about it, he's the one that brought the egg to like exactly. the city yeah. and caused everything that, hap- everything that happened is on him now. Yeah. He's a dick, man. <laughs> like, at least he's an unintentional dick. Sure. I mean, he yeah, it's, it is unintentional, but like he he waits forever to like warn someone. Like like not only does the egg hatch, but he just throws it down in a fucking sewer where it Which then populates. Good. I mean, the whole city gets put under fucking water because of this kid. <laughs> Thousands of people probably died. We may have only seen one or two, which by the way, very, very cool that in a Godzilla movie, we got to see actual, like, horror movie deaths. Oh, that was fucking great. Like, the kid, the two kids and the couple. And like, oh, I'll be right there. And then fucking fab. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, even though I will say in the dub, that is, uh, that couple, that is the most awkward, stiff conversation ever. I would never believe that they are lovers i don't even want to believe they're friends i'm almost pretty positive that they're that they're reject androids that uh, harrison ford is gonna come kill i almost (laughs) could have been convinced that they were cousins yes exactly i it was i've i've seen brother and sister have more chemistry sexually than these two people I well, mean, I'm honestly, from Alabama, we only sp- so. Well, honestly, we only spend like 15 seconds with them, so we do. But still, you gotta admit, <laughs> I, and it may be better in the in the subbed version, but the American dub of that scene, I'm like, guys, you should have redone that scene. Get George Takei in here. Come on. Yeah, for real. <laughs> he did Godzilla raids again. He's already Godzilla royalty. Bring him in here. Um. 
So, yeah, that is a very valid point. It is uh, kind of weak writing with how much they let the kid get away with doing in this movie. Uh, but... I guess that's just a silly trope, so you kind of have to accept. I'm trying to like, I mean, figure they, out a way. I mean, if they can't eat the little kid, I wouldn't have minded it because it's just playing into the Showa era tropes, much like the rest of the movie is. But then, you know, you have to look at it. You know, they wipe him off of the film after he he throws the egg away. So it's like, okay, yeah, he just did everything. Now you gotta, you know, it's an issue with the film instead of you know, if they can't eat the well, little. Well, well, actually, if they can't eat the little kid, I wouldn't have an issue with it because that's just the trope of the show, of the franchises. But well, well, technically he does come back at the very, very end. If you well, yeah, but I'm saying is that if they can't eat, if they turn him into a canny, then I wouldn't have an issue. No, with I, 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 because I, if they're just playing into the tropes of the franchise, who's more of a dick, him or the kid from Yongri? Oh, Yongri. kid from Yongri, by Yongri. far. Really, I think yeah. this kid's more of a dick. No, he's legitimately trying to kill people as a practical joke. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Uh, Mr. Venom, what is something you did not like about this movie? Um, well, honestly, there's very little I didn't like. So, at the honestly, I'm just pulling out a, a few nitpicks here and there. Uh, but this is, in this timeline, this is now the third time that they've dealt with Godzilla, correct? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay, why are they still shooting fucking missiles at him? At what point will Tokyo learn their damn lesson that missiles don't do shit? It's almost like it's almost like the filmmakers just do it as a uh, plot device or a uh, or just something cool to look at to look at missiles exploding on Godzilla. It's like it's well, pointless. It's never done anything. Well, here's the thing: the '54. We don't. Okay, if we reimagine that this is '54, you only have that one attack. You only have that one attack in there where mm -hmm. they line up the tanks line up and they shell him when he arrives. So you really don't have much of it you know you don't have much of like combat history with them because we don't see what happens with him in the 66 encounter we just see him knocking over the plant so we don't know what the defense mm -hmm. forces were like back then mm. and then you look at the sequence in the 96 attack it looks more like diversionary tactics it's not like you know shoot to kill kind of a thing it's more like you know you're trying to draw him away it's like more like I to me it looked more like the way they were doing was more like diversion or like you know it was like they're trying to reroute him to a specific area trying to keep him away from the plants. Plus, it's it's thirty years of technology there, so I mean, yeah. I, like Don's just proved both Jerry's on this show that their 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 nitpicks are wrong. <laughs> uh, he well, is just on fire. That's just a theory. I mean. I'm, you know, you have three or four people, you know, on the ground with rockets. That's not exactly a search and kill mission. That looks more like diversion, you know, like, you know, divert and reroute kind of. Actually, I think they actually do say that, too. Like, we're going to divert them and like, try to move them yeah. this way. That's why they're outflanking them and having different areas. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so that's, to me, that's not exactly anywhere close to a search and kill mission. Yeah, okay. I just, I, I didn't get that vibe from the girl. The girl who shot the rocket, who basically caused the death of her commanding officer. Like, I didn't get that vibe from her that she was trying to divert. I got the Yo, vibe that she was trying to destroy. What's up with, with Toho and every time there's a female military lead, she always calls, like, the death of someone? <laughs> I did notice that, too. Because actually, this actually happens again in uh, Godzilla against Mega Godzilla, too. <laughs> yeah, he straight up reuses it. 
Well, you realize this is, uh, you know, in the Japanese army, women are not allowed really to be in combat. So maybe this is just their way of backhandedly agreeing with that assessment. Like, you know, women should not be in the military. Wow, this movie's sexist. Way to go. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I actually got a 2000 movie. That's a little sexist, yeah. You know, like I, I actually don't mind the a major character because she's kind of a badass. Who the fuck else do we see fucking ride on the back of a Godzilla before a movie? <laughs> That's true. That's something you see in like a Gamera movie, not a Godzilla movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm kind of worried that she's got radiation poisoning now. Well, you could always say that's just the suit and that it's not her because she's still in her flight suit. Yeah, it was good. Uh, she's not I mean, wearing it's a, a helmet though. Her uh, head is exposed for whatever that's. No, no, because she's still. Because remember, she dived. She dove into the water. I don't hmm. know. Maybe she still has the helmet up. I think no, actually, she does it because I actually just posted that scene in the Legion podcast group. So she does have the helmet on. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, but uh, it's not like here's the thing: radiation suits are like a hundred percent sealed. I, I highly doubt what she's wearing is 100% sealed, but we don't know, so I, I guess there's. It could room also be ex- it could also be exposure. I mean, she kind of noticed. She kind of I remember she checks the watch because there's that thing on her body that starts beeping. Yeah, it's like the Ultraman the, thing, like yeah. She, and then she pulls the gun out and she shoots him in the spine. So maybe it could have been you know like she was getting close to being contaminated and then jumped off in time. Because I knew, because no, I do know that exposure to radiation also counts the duration that you're exposed to it, as well as the quantity of the the radiation you're exposed to. So I know it's both. Maybe it's a matter of you know the duration, her, how long she's in contact with them. True. I mean that that's definitely that. that's definitely a possibility. Uh, we'll never know on that one. But, but, but uh, I think yeah, Don but... makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that scene's fucking awesome, though. Like, that's, like, one of the greatest effects ever because the way yeah. you zoom in, you see Godzilla's face. Yeah, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to defend one of my favorite scenes here, so... Just trying to pull whatever I can out of my ass to make it unflawless in my mind. You're, you're, oh, you're pulling scene. it out of your ass tonight, for sure. <laughs> uh, this movie, actually, uh, I, I was reading through um, my uh, book, A... Uh, the history of Godzilla Toho movies by David Clapp. And uh, his part in Mega Years, he kind of shits on the movie, saying that it's boring, it's bland, it rehashes a lot of stuff, blah, blah, blah. But I just can't agree with that. I think... It rehashes the good stuff. Yeah, it rehashes good stuff. But this is also one of the most unique Godzilla movies there is. What other Godzilla movies do you have a city underwater? What other Godzilla movies is using... Uh, miniature black holes. We have like the. I typically don't like the winged monsters, and I don't mean like King Ghidorah because King Ghidorah still got feet, but like Mothra and Batra. I don't tend to like those fight scenes because it's a whole lot of just, uh, let me run my wing right into your shoulder. But in this one, like that fight scene is really good. Like, yeah. like, yeah. You know, you know what's a good thing? You know what's so good about it? Because Godzilla actually has to use other techniques to win the fight, which makes it even better. Because oh, yeah. He, yeah. he basically lets himself get, like, come and stab me in the mm-hmm. face so that he can bite the stinger off. Oh, and I, I love that scene where he's like, 
oh yeah, and he takes the fucking pincher out and puts it in the ground, and he does that fucking leap, and Mega Garrus's face is like, I'm fucked. <laughs> oh my, that leap. Okay, Macho Man I, Randy Godzilla. I, I actually know the 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 history of that because that's actually a homage to the actor who plays Godzilla in the movie because he was on Super Sentai before this, and he it was a homage to the leap that he used to do on that if you don't know super sentai that's pretty much the japanese like version of power rangers where a lot of the power ranger scenes were taken from that show so yes, it was a homage correct. to the actor super sentai is something we will not be getting into the show because jesus christ there that's, is yeah, so much that's a, that's a podcast worth it if it's spelled holy shit but yes uh, i did read that and so i am glad you brought it up um and it's funny because there's a few times in Godzilla's history where he does something like this. Uh, him flying in Godzilla versus Hedorah. Um, the uh, flying drop kick he does in Godzilla versus Megalon. And, of course, the famous dance we get in Invasion of Astro Monster. <laughs> and this is the Millennium version of that. This is... And you know what? I, I know some people that hate it, but... I love it. I think it looks goofy and it's funny in the best of ways. And it kind of shows, you know, and because honestly, this is a much darker Godzilla movie. So it's kind of nice to have something a little fun in there. Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. uh, this is by far, like, when I say this is one of the most unique Godzilla movies, one of the reasons it is so unique is it is dark, man. Like, now, like, not only do we see, like, people die, like I said earlier, we see them in a horror fashion die. We see Tokyo underwater. We see it uh, tackled, uh, taken by a swarm that you haven't seen in a kaiju movie since uh, Gamera Attack of Legion. Uh, this was like a, to me, a very well done Godzilla movie in the sense that it, like uh, Mr. Venom said earlier, it starts with action, it keeps up with the action, all the characters are at least decent and interesting. Um, and even the, the main nerdy guy, like I liked his whole computer thing where he basically had, yeah, yeah. He had the nurse and then he had her turn into the main chick and she went just flying through there like a fucking episode of reboot. Yeah, that was hilarious. I love that when he's in the computer scene at the end, he's typing the, trying to get the systems back online and he says, all right, Major, do your thing. And the guy sitting next to him, he kind of laughs at it and then realizes he just based the computer model on the Major. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was great. I it's loved awesome. it. Um, I, love that. I love that whole scene, too, where he's like when they first meet and he's like doing that little fucking trick. And he has like these little <laughs> robots making little rice and spoons and shit. I'm like, how did that work? Because we never seen it, but... <laughs> And then she just busts it completely, and I was like, this is how it's done. He's got miniature robots doing it. But, I'm but that's what I'm saying. I'm like, how do the robots do that? The way that the robots are shaped and shit. I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, that didn't make that much sense. I, I, kind of had it as, I kind of had it as more like she was watching him for a while, and was kind of like onto the game. And then she, and then this is like the point where she, she kind of like let it go because it didn't really. There was like no point in her bringing it to it, bringing attention to it. But now that she needs him, he she kind of needed to like break the myth in order to get him away from the kids. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. I figure. I mean, she has inside information about him because she works with someone that he used to. Right. Uh, so she was. To me, I always took it that she had been watching him for a while, but it was never worth her care to bring it up 
but now that she needed him, she needed to get him away from the kids, so she busted his game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, man, Mega Gearus looks fantastic. That suit for mm-hmm. Mega Gearus. Hell, as even as though... As long as you don't look at the wires. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Uh, I just like to, to at think least they it's have a his Shaw wings Brothers move. film. At least they don't have his wings moving. That's all that matters. So it's not as bad as fucking King Ghidorah and Gigan. That's true. Yeah. You know, but... Yeah. Another thing I really like is... Uh, they cast, like, old Showa, like, cast actors like Eureka Hushi, like we said earlier. She plays the scientist who comes up with the idea for the, the Mention Tide, which is cool because, unfortunately, she passed away earlier this year. Rest in peace to Kira Hushi, who played Junko in the original Godzilla vs. Mothra. Yeah, uh, that's one thing I will say I love about the Godzilla Toho movies is they always take the chance to get some of their old actors to come back and, and fill roles. And she looked good still for like her age during the time period this film was All made. All right, keep it in your pants, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> you keep that stinger away from her mouth. She might bite hey, it off. We're not on video. Go ahead, Derek. Whip it out. <laughs> no, Don already whipped his out. There's not enough room. <laughs> I, I love the. I wish we got to see more of the news design of the Mega Nula because they look way better than they did in Rodana because you know that's what these monsters were supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, they bring it up that they're in the same species. Um, I think it's a little bit of a of a stretch, but I'll accept it. Up, uh, what was the other movie they showed up in? Rodan. Rodan. No, 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 no. I know they came from Rodan, but they showed up in another. No, that movie. was it. No, no they, that was it. Uh, that was it, Boomy. What was the big bug that attacked the guy on the boat in that one movie? Was it? Uh. It was in the opening of a Godzilla movie. The, oh, no, the... that's um, G9085. That's a different thing, though. Oh, okay, it's not the same thing? No, no those... those are like those little are... parasites. I don't yeah. know why in my head they were the same thing. Those are like oh, the yeah, things that from Cloverfield. Like, when they come out the monster, that's what those were. Yeah. <laughs> the ticks. Yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, think they're, I think they're called sea louses. Yeah. Yeah. That Giant sounds, scabies. That sounds slutty. <laughs> that sounds like what you what they call uh, hooker mermaids. <laughs> sea louses. I'm gonna go get me a, uh, a sea louse. Sea louse. <laughs> I'll buy that Aquaman fucking fucked another sea louse to death. Uh, I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Um... Yeah, so this is uh, definitely not... This should not be your first Godzilla movie. No. Uh, no. But once you get a lot, uh, some Godzilla under your belt, this is definitely one you should watch to kind of have a little bit of a different view. Uh, a little bit more interesting, a little bit more intriguing, and a little bit more out there. This is the Godzilla versus Hedorah of the Millennium series because it's just so odd and so different than everything else in its time. Um, and, and I, you know what? It does not appear in my top 10, but I mean, there's so many good Godzilla movies that it's a tough competition. But I will say, for a movie that does not get talked about as much as it should, and, I, and I'm part of that because, to be honest, it's probably my least watched movie in the Millennium series. And Watch Ray, it shows up there pretty often. 
I don't watch TV. I don't believe in it. I watch everything through shadow puppets that they in smoke signals. Okay. Uh, but yeah, like this is one that you know what I will put in rotation way more. Uh, I, and you know what? I think this is one that needs to come up more often. I think we do need to talk about this one. Because besides people maybe complaining about some of the odd Godzilla movements like I did that Don disproved, or the nuclear radiation suit, or just talk to Don. He'll fucking tell you why you're wrong. Okay? <laughs> It'll work out. So Yeah, this is one of the most underrated Godzilla movies because <laughs> it doesn't get talked about yeah. at all. And I was I this is the movie that the human characters annoyed me the least. I, I genuinely actually enjoyed watching the all human scenes. You know, it's not like I it's not like if uh, a kaiju wasn't on screen, I missed it or was frustrated or anything like that, like with Jan Gary or, you know, stuff like that. I, I legitimately was enthralled by the human scenes here. I thought the drama worked well. Um there, there was a little bit of hokiness to it. Um, what, what was the uh, the Search Godzilla system? Ugh, you couldn't think of a stupider name. <laughs> that's why, like, that's all I remember was like, that's why it's their version of the Science Patrol because they have all these different areas and shit. <laughs> right, whoever names these things is just not original. They just name it whatever it does. That's just lame. <laughs> it, the, the same person definitely didn't name the Dimension Tide that named the Search Godzilla system. Let's just yeah. go with that. It's like uh, that Mitch Hedberg joke. He goes, what does that thing do? do? It toasts things. All right, it's a toaster. Just say what it does and add er. Yeah, uh, this, this one, yeah. If you're a fan of like Showa era and you like your darker Godzilla films, because this does have some dark subject matter, I recommend it. It's awesome. Yeah, high yeah, recommend. There's not a lot of uh, like deep thought in this movie as for like conversation-wise. But to throw one on and enjoy just a, a, a darker Godzilla movie, absolutely fantastic. Uh, Don, how do you feel about this movie? I'm right there. Um, there's, Like I said, there's a few storyline issues I have with it. You know, I talked about those earlier. But, yeah, no, uh, aside from that, there's a lot to really like here. Like, you know, you get Godzilla in action a lot and early, which is always fun. He's got a cool opponent to fight off with in two great sequences. And, you know, like Jerry said, you have a lot of good human drama built around it. It's not exactly the most original stuff, but it's compelling enough to hold your interest for, you know, an hour and 40 minutes, which, you know, I'm fine with that every now and then. I, You know, you don't need, you know, out of the park moments every time. Oh, you're going to wear yourself out quickly. You know, you need something like this to kind of, you know, reset and enjoy yourself and that i think this one works well in that regard yeah i agree derek you got any final thoughts just fucking watch it and fry that fucking lizard yeah (laughs) (laughs) mr venom your final thoughts um despite this godzilla suit seeming a little impractical and i only say that because of the scales that run along his back, the center of his back. They just seem so big. Underwater, I'm sure that they help with aerodynamics, but when he's on land, those things look like they weigh like half his body weight, and it almost seems like it's changing his gait, if you will, kind of, you know, it it shifts the way he moves because they're so big. Every time he turns around, they move, you know? 
Yeah, that's kind of the same way that they were in uh, G2000, because it's the mm-hmm. same suit. Yeah, I have the um, 2003, uh, which is what, Godzilla uh, against Mega Godzilla? That's I have Tokyo the... SOS. 03 is Tokyo SOS. Wait, I thought... Is it? Anyway, okay, yeah. I guess it's... Um, but I have the uh, Godzilla uh, X-Plus figure for that, and that one really big, just like right in the middle of his back is so huge like it sticks yeah. out like when i like i'm looking at him right now because i have all my x plus figures on uh top of my bookshelf and he's like hanging between titanosaurus and space godzilla and i'm just like that is just huge well to be fair he does use that fin for cutting reasons sure that's sure. true <laughs> like to see uh him use that against Gigan's buzzsaw Oof. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like and King Ghidorah with that shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, alright guys, yeah, this is one you've got to check out. Uh, but with that being said, we're rolling into the Ultraman report. Oh boy. It is Ultraman episode 4, Secrets Before the Big Explosion, which came out 8, 7, 1966. Uh, a rocket with nuclear bombs going to Jupiter exploded, and one of the bombs blew up, but four of them are still missing and need to be recovered. Or four of them got recovered and one's still missing, or some shit, I don't know. Uh, they talk a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, uh, so, it's kind of funny, because this is the episode where they're like, we're not going out to the field, we're going to stay in here, we're going to use our head. Uh, but Fuji... One of the smartest people at using your head. She's actually going on vacation with a date. Her <laughs> little brother is her date. Uh, Hushino. Is that his name? Yeah. Hushino, yeah. I, I'm so terrible at their names. I like, I start just nicknaming. In a lot of movies, I nickname people just because it's easier for me, especially in my notes. Uh, but Fuji is one I always remember because who hasn't heard the name Fuji? 20 million times of their life if they grew up in the 80s and 90s with Fuji film. <laughs> uh, That's true. I, I think Ito has a crush on her, by the way. Ito, big goofy-headed Ito. Oh, kinda, yeah. He was kind of jealous when she was like, oh, I've got a date. He's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Um. So they go on there, but uh, a, our monster shows up. Ragon, Raga. How do I pronounce this, Don? Ragon. Ragon, okay. Uh, Ronald Ragon shows up, <laughs> and I love this suit. The glowing eye. I, I said it in Yongri. I love glowing eyes in these monster suits. I think it just adds something to it that makes them look where they're not just look Because a lot of times, the eyes on kaiju suits can look completely lifeless, and you're just like, that's so painted on. So when they have them like have light in them, it just does something for me. It doesn't really make any sense, but I love it. Uh, and uh, mm. so he looks like a, a big leafy version of the creature from the Black Lagoon. Sort of like yep. Helen Keller was asked to design the creature from the Black Lagoon costume. Yeah, and she was just like, <laughs> "So I just put lettuce here, okay?" He looks like Missy if Missy Elliott and fucking Sweetums from the Muppets had sex and had a baby together. That <laughs> is the most fucked up thing I have ever heard. And I completely agree. Uh, was it worth it? 
I don't know. I flipped my thing down and reversed it. So, oh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and also a, a scene coming up. I love this scene where he attacks the boat. It reminds me of a uh, war of the gargantuas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I love when they're, when they're attacking a ship and the water's just going, I fucking love it. It looks so, I love, uh, water scenes with Kaiju. Something about them standing up in the ocean, which doesn't make a lot of sense sometimes when you think about it, is just amazing to me. I love Kaiju water scenes. One thing I have to say about this fucking episode, that bomb has a lot of grappling powers. Oh, yeah. Oh, when we get to that, Jesus Christ, yes. Uh, So, in much like War of the Gargantuas, one man survived. Uh, And he's at the hospital, and Hayata heads to the hospital. uh, And then they find out the wake is... Heading to Chiba, which is where Fuji and her brother are at this hotel for a vacation. Which I, I don't know why they is there. There's a Disneyland or something you can fucking go to. Why are you going to a hotel to play <laughs> to play fucking uh, badminton? With... And why is Fuji still in her outfit? Come on, get a bathing suit on. For real? Yes. <laughs> oh yes. my god, yes. Uh, this little girl Machiko is annoying as hell. She is gamer children. Levels of annoying. Oh my god, I hate her. Uh, yep. <laughs> and uh, but I know, but I know Don likes her because she likes spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going there. <laughs> spaghetti and you, sandwiches. I knew you were going there. <laughs> hey, maybe a little prosciutto, you know? Wrong show. I know. Yeah, wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> Check out the Horror Mafia podcast where you can uh, get all kind of. Uh, Fucking, I don't, I don't know how to speak Italian, Italian but they say Italian cuts. shit. Yeah, they say, pass the fucking Alfredo, uh, you know, I don't know what they say. A little bit of gabagool. Yeah, there you go, the gabagool thing. Uh, <laughs> one of the most uh, entertaining off-the-rail shows possible. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, but we'll get into that later. Uh so the wake is heading to Chiba, which is where uh, I already said all that shit. Uh, but they see the wake out of the window, and they report it to there. And Harashi is sent out to uh, go out there. And uh, I gotta say though, Fuji's little brother, that dude is styling. He's got these <laughs> short shorts on. He's got a white jacket and a red fedora. This kid is out here killing it. <laughs> All he needs is some shades. That'd be fucking for real. He's out here getting it, son. I'm I'm uh, just picturing like fucking Lonely Island playing in the background whenever he walks. Uh, for real. Uh, I'm on a boat, motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> and then Raygon destroyed that boat. Uh, so they go to get everyone out of the hotel, but uh, they in this you can't see this, but I'm doing air quotation marks. They forget the little girl. They didn't forget that little girl. Fuck that little girl. And first no. off, her mom just lets her stay with these people she doesn't even know. Like, oh, yeah. did, what did she? Oh, no, it's okay. I work for the government. I work for the science patrol. Like, I'm not going to, you know, hurt your child or anything. How do you know? Why would you just leave your kid with them? They just mm-hmm. took your kid up to a hotel room after stuffing her with food so she'd pass out. <laughs> They fed her, like, spaghetti with codeine in it. Yeah. You <laughs> whatever, don't know hey, what's going on. Do, man. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to shut her up. For real. Jesus. Um, 
so they have to go back there. But even more importantly, we learned something about Ito. Ito is really bad at making coffee because he uses salt instead of sugar. Uh, comic <laughs> relief. Uh, which, uh. you know what? Ito does play comic relief a lot in this show. And I love it. I love his comic relief. I think it's I think it's great. I think he's he's just goofy enough to to make it work. And little touches like this, putting salt in the coffee instead of sugar and having to do Fuji's work is is so great. Yeah, that's uh, nowhere near the incompetency, you know, like the incompetent comic relief. It's like, yeah. you know, the guy's like, you know, how did you get out of the academy kind of stupid? Mm-hmm. This is much more of a believable kind of comic relief. This guy just lacks social skills. Yeah. Yes. yeah. He still has a brain. He, he just yeah. can't talk to girls. Yeah, because he's never done this before. Sir, he's in such he's in such a rush. He's trying to get it back to his captain. You know, oh, okay. Well, you know, it's supposed to be on the second shelf, and then he just grabs anything and is, oh shit. Yeah, <laughs> I love um, the captain's reaction too. Like, who the hell is this? Come drink this. Uh, <laughs> so the I love this scene we have after this, where the wave is hitting the pool. It is awesome seeing the water come over. Just looks amazing. Uh, this is where they realize they left the little girl in the hotel. And we get a great close-up of the monster and his gigantic red lips. And <laughs> if you look inside his mouth, his pink mouth, there's black dots all over his mouth. I think it's really cool when you see small little touches like that. Oh, really? I thought those were air holes for the actor. Yeah. <laughs> you oh, they, was... might, they might be. Yeah, that's uh, what, they I, probably I, I actually chuckled when I saw it. I didn't. I, I didn't think yeah. it was an aesthetic choice. I thought for some reason I just thought they were air holes. I'm like, why would you? Why would you give me a close up knowing that there's air holes there? But because know, it works on stupid people like me. Because <laughs> the big ruby lips from Jay Z fucking blind you. They were impressive lips. Yeah, I'll give you that. Those were those were fucking like old school 1800s racist lips. I thought he was. Gonna, I, I I thought he was gonna start singing like Mick Jagger, like stop me up. Oh my god, oh my god, those are Mick Jagger's lips. <laughs> Holy oh no. shit, Raygon is probably Mick Jagger's, like, cousin or something. After he fucked Kermit the Frog or something. Yeah. <laughs> you and you ah. mixing people today, Derek, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, Maybe Swamp Thing and Mick Jagger had a relationship in college. So, it turns out the monster found the, last, the, the lost bomb, and the monster also heard the audience and was like, I'm gonna kill that little Machiko girl. Uh, but uh, Fuji's little brother throws a knife at his hand that dude not only looks good but he throws knives while looking good oh man man this kid is gonna grow up to be tuxedo mask um did the shot did the shot of Raygon's hand go through that window did that shot not bother anybody the way his fingers like bent back <laughs> to show that it was obviously an actor in a rubber suit? Yeah, oh, I got that too. Yeah, that bothered me. Yeah. yeah, but it's one of those things where it's like, this is Ultraman. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, so, we, so we're at the part with the bomb. Like, how the fuck is the bomb attached to him? <laughs> yeah, the bomb's just on his arm and it like moves around a couple of times, but it's hanging out like is there seed wheat seaweed attached to something? Is his leafiness holding that on to it? That is the most grabbable bomb ever. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's slimy. It's just a bunch of body slime holding it there. 
Yeah, and then, so they got the jet running around, and the monster all of a sudden blasts the jet with a mouth beam, which I'm like, where the fuck did that come from? It came from the holes uh, that you've seen. <laughs> oh my god, that actually would explain the holes. It could, yeah, absolutely. Oh man. But was holes, that, was that fire? Like, holes or, like what element was he shooting out of his mouth? Was that fire? Uh, was that water? What the yellow. hell was that? Yellow? It was a weird color. No, it wasn't it, even. It was. It didn't look like fire. It looked blue-green almost. Yeah, I don't know what it was. Uh, I don't know what kind of energy that was. Sonic yeah. boom? Sonic boom <laughs> from fucking Street Fighter guile up in this bitch or something. I don't know. Uh, but uh, Hiroshi bailed out. Uh, so Ido says, you know what? I tried space language one time and it didn't work. But you know what will work? Music. Uh... <laughs> So the monster starts ripping out all the trees because he fucking hates music, or he elites hates their choice in music. Which is exactly what my thought was. Maybe he just they just put on crappy music. He's like, yeah. put on the stones. Yeah. So yeah, dude, there you go. They should have put on fucking uh, paint it black and and just let it roll. <laughs> uh, so the monster uh, doesn't like the music, and he sees Hiroshi in the parachute, but he gets distracted by my main man. Fuji's little brother, Hoshino. Uh, and uh, this distraction is also long enough for Hayata to become Ultraman. And guys, do you know what that means? It's time. it's time to pass it to Don. Don, break down this Ultraman fight for us. All right. Squaring off, Raygon swings wildly at Ultra Ultraman, knocking the attached bomb from its arm, diving to grab it. Ultraman dodges the charging Raygon and gets it gets the bomb just before it hits the ground, causing Raygon to jump on top of him. Keeping the bomb safe in his right hand, Ultraman rolls Raygon away from him, while Arashi and Fuji look on from a safe distance, reporting to Captain Mira about Ultraman's appearance. A wild swing by Ultraman causes Raygon to grab him around the neck and attempt to wrestle with Ultraman, who breaks free and gets some separation in the process. With the color timer starting to blink, Raygon charges at the bomb and eventually forces Ultraman to drop it into the forest nearby. As Arashi and Fuji are relieved, it doesn't detonate. Now free to fight with both hands, Ultraman and Raygon begin jostling for position, which inadvertently trips the warhead down the hill as it rolls to the bottom, causing Arashi, Fuji, and Hoshino to give chase. As the color timer begins blinking furiously, Ultraman breaks free of Raygon, chops it in the throat and pushes it away as Raygon retaliates with a ray blast sending Ultraman to his knees. Regrouping, a specium ray blast of Raygon's chest sends it over the cliff where it falls into the sea below. Uh, and that dummy for Raygon <laughs> yeah, was great. Dummy. <laughs> I love dummies in movies. Oh, I, man. It, is, it is a guilty pleasure of mine. And I did anyone else feel though that uh, Ultraman's light started blinking real early in this fight? Yeah, yeah, too that's early. That's why they, yeah, because yeah, that's, well, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I called it twice where they may pay attention to the fact that it's going off. It's like why couldn't you have done the first one, you know, the warning at the second time? Yeah, it's like, I love I mean, how the. I'm I mean, sorry I get it. Figure. No, I'm saying I get that the you know they're trying to include you know Rashi, Hoshino, and Fuji on the sidelines, you know, that they have something to do, but it's just, it still doesn't feel like there's enough time to go off for the warning light to trigger. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, so we, uh, we had a great fight. I actually really enjoyed this fight. Uh, I think it was great with Ultraman to fight one handed at the beginning. Um, 
and it's, it's just when he gets when Ultraman gets to fight a, another monster that's humanoid like, it, it always makes for great fights. It's, it's what I call the War of the Gargantua fight. Right. Mm. Yeah. I love them. Uh, this movie is actually just War of the Gargantuas two, uh, <laughs> which is Frankenstein conquers the world three. Um, so <laughs> Ultraman takes the bomb and flies it to outer space. Uh, which Ultraman has a shadow on the space backdrop, which is kind of funny. Oh, um, yeah, I caught that too. <laughs> uh, they think Ultraman is dead because of that, but uh, Hiata tells... Hi- Hiata. Hiata tells him he's okay because he's invincible. Uh, now, so Raygon has actually appeared in Ultra Q, and he mm-hmm. shows up in later Ultraman series, uh, and has the roar of many different kaiju... Uh, now, Don, I looked it up, and it says in this episode, uh, he actually was using the roar of Baragon. Can you right, confirm? that's that's the same thing. Yeah, it's the same thing Naranga had last time. Yeah, because uh, in Ultra Q, apparently he used the roar of Varen. Right, yeah, I saw that episode, yeah. Can I ask uh, you guys a serious question, though? Uh, no, only goofy ones. Well, it's kind of <laughs> goofy, a situation. Like, would you run after a... Tumble in an atomic bomb? Uh, Why not? I would run the opposite way. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, what the fuck are they doing? Why are they running towards it? <laughs> I mean, it's futile well, either way, unless one of y'all well, know how to still... deactivate it. Well, unless there's a failsafe on the bomb itself. I mean, you know, Hayat. I mean, Arashi would have known that there that there could be a failsafe. So, you know, they, there is a window when the bomb is active to when it can potentially, you know, cease. You know, to where you can keep it from going off. So maybe there's the slight hope that, you know, they can get to it before. I mean, you know, he he was around when the, you know, because he's, he's still in the headquarters when Mira's going over the fact that the bomb, you know, the bombs have been recovered and there's still one missing. So he's still there and he's, they do, they do have the schematic of the bomb up. Perhaps that you know he had noticed that there was a failsafe, or you know it was mentioned before that there's a you know kill switch on the device rather than you know like on a remote control or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm no nuclear. I'm no nuclear technician. I would. You're not. Why do I have <laughs> you on this show? Because I'm goofy and I. <laughs> because I say the Japanese names you don't want to. You're damn straight. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I've, got a, I've got a follow-up question, though. Mm-hmm. Why were they trying to send nuclear bombs to Jupiter? Oh, right. <laughs> to develop a planet, because that's exactly how you develop a planet. Six made nuclear a, weapons. And more importantly, you made a, a gaseous planet that thing's not going to make a fucking difference. It doesn't, yeah. That was a weird one. Yeah. Um, they probably should have just sent, like, a foam... Or like a fi- like maybe like a foam additive to the planet, and you know maybe like turn the gases into solids or something. Yeah, or a vacuum cleaner. Like yeah. the, the bomb looks exactly like a Looney Tunes bomb, too. <laughs> like a little bit. Well, that's probably how it stayed attached. That's probably how it stayed attached to him. Maybe that's true. <laughs> it was yeah. You didn't see the big uh, "Made by Acne" sign on it. Ah. <laughs> oh my god. Uh. So yeah, I, I think this was a fantastic episode super fun super fast i love ultraman episodes because for the most part they always seem to go by really fast and it's just so enjoyable to sit and watch sometimes it's even hard for me to take notes while watching ultraman because it's just so much fun 
Yeah, I end up watching every episode twice. I'll watch it once with no notes just so I can kind of enjoy it. And then the second time I'll take notes. Mm-hmm. Do you watch it back to back or do you like wait a few days? I try to do it back to back, actually, um, just so that my memory of my first watch is still really, really fresh. But just, you know, because of how busy I am and everything else, uh, you know, time doesn't always uh, agree with me. So I end up having to take a couple of days in between. But if it were up to me, I'd rather watch them back to back. All right. Fair enough. I was just interested. Uh, So, Don, how do you feel about this episode? Uh, this is, it's not exact. it's not my favorite, but it's, you know, like you said, it's just a simple, fun, fast-paced adventure. You know, I don't really have too many main issues with it. There is one thing, though, that I thought was kind of worth bringing up, is that when Ultraman hits hits him with the Specium Blast and he sends him over the cliff, did anyone notice the fact that he kind of stuttered for a second and he kind of threw himself to the the, he threw himself to the left and then realized, oh shit, the cliff's on the right. I gotta hurl myself the other way. So he, <laughs> I has, to, he was... so he has to jump back to the other side, and that's how he falls over the cliff. But they just <laughs> didn't have time for a second tee. For some reason, I thought he was doing jazz hands after he got hit that first time. He throws yeah. both his hands up in the air and then just kind of shakes them. I'm like, yeah, he, he's, he's dancing. He's about to Al Jolson this shit. I dig it. <laughs> he's got the moves like Jagger. What I'm saying is that when you realize is that it's just kind of funny how he kind of like leans to the left and then he kind of like, oh shit. And then he jerks back and he flops over backwards and he falls over. Oh, it's, man. I mean, you know, the, you see the explosion go off. So, you know, the blast hit him and then he kind of like leans to the left and then he kind of like throws himself back over to the right and he falls over. Just something so like do, that. So he's doing the time warp. <laughs> <laughs> I have oh. no idea what that's in reference to. I, uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, I know. I've never seen it. Oh, okay. Oh. Uh, super good. Uh, anyway, uh, Derek, what are your thoughts? This is probably... I like this episode, but I would probably say from the four that we watched, it's probably going to be my least favorite just because of the fact of the annoying kid in it that took me out of it. <laughs> and I just some fault you there. And just this, the usual, like, I think it was kind of retarded that they were running against the bomb, but, you know, Don kind of explained it, but still, you know, I would fucking run the opposite direction of an atomic bomb <laughs> if I was in that situation. I'm just saying that would be me, personally. Yeah. Heroes never run away from danger. Well, I'm not a hero. I'm a zero, so peace. <laughs> now, here's another thing. Speaking of heroes, this is the fourth episode in a row where Hayata has emerged from somewhere after a battle having missed the entire piece of action hasn't nobody caught on to that by now nope nope <laughs> and they won't I'm saying is that you know to me this is the one where it kind of is like the most obvious where Hayata's the one missing in action the entire time because you realize what had gone before is that you know okay well he was you know in the mini sub okay they lose contact with them when Bemlar picks it out of the ocean and dumps it into the forest. Okay, I can see where, you know, that's kind of like a hidden thing with them. Then you realize what happened with um, Bolton. You know, he wasn't the one that was fighting Bolton. It was Arashi. It was Ido. So he's not the one that's going to be there to notice it. Then when he, you get into... Um, was it Naranga? He's the one that's trapped by the debris. So nobody's going to notice that he wasn't there. But now this is the first time where everybody else is involved in the action, but he's not. 
So it's kind of like, you know, you start realizing, okay, this is the fourth time where he's emerged out of nowhere just at the split second when the battle's over. Nobody's realized what's going on. I think they all were convinced that Ultraman was dead because of the nuclear device going off. So I think they just kind of were like, well, he can't he can't possibly be Ultraman. He'd be, you know, a pile of goo right now. So, I, I mean, that's that's my two cents on it. I I, yeah. I I totally agree with you. I mean, it's it's the it's the Clark Kent Superman taking his glasses off thing all over again. But yeah, at, at the same time, like I said, since this one had to do with Ultraman flying into space, taking a nuclear weapon out there and then, you know, the weapon going off, he basically did a Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> I'm the hero this town needs right now. There you go. <laughs> fair but, enough. Well, fair, well, fair enough. And like I said, I did enjoy the episode. Still, probably my least favorite of the four so far. Yeah, it's probably same here. Uh, not you know, not they should have ep- killed the little girl. Not a bad episode, <laughs> but it's just you know, you realize the other, the other three, the other three have been so good. You know, you kind of just have to place it at the bottom, just because there's only four so far. Mm. Yeah, well, we'll see how it holds up uh, on the next episode. Secret of the Milaganda? Milaganda. Milaganda. Milogenda? My gender? I don't know what that says. <laughs> Vigenda, Vigenda. Your gender's a secret, Chair? Yes. Vagina, <laughs> Vagina Dentana? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> something. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, we will uh, return for Ultraman for Episode 5, and we will, of course, be covering another kaiju movie. And uh, since we did Godzilla this one, next episode will be a non-Godzilla movie. So, uh, who knows what we'll cover then. But, before we get out of here, it is time to pimp stuff. So, uh, this time we're going to let uh, Mr. Venom go first. Mr. Venom, pimp where people can find you. All right, well... Um, two of my podcasts that were on hiatuses are now back in action. That would be the Horror Cast and um, Rad Radio, the All 80s podcast. Uh, you can find the Horror Cast on the Phantom Podcast Network, which is at downrightcreepy.com. You can find Rad Radio. Fingers crossed, you should be able to find future episodes of Rad Radio on the Horrorphilia Network as uh, Mr. Mark Nato and Jason Lloyd have finally come to an agreement on that. Uh, you can also hear me on Evil Episodes Presents Just the Movies with uh, Mr. Mike Merriman. Uh, Mike Merriman also joins me on the Theme Warriors podcast, where we just recorded uh, my third episode with the gang just last night. So that should be out sometime this week. Oh, boy. And then um, did I miss one? I think I, don't I missed know. one. You have like eight podcasts. Yeah, I've got like six or seven. And then I got a new one coming out with a couple of the guys. Uh, from the Horror Mafia podcast, a couple of Don and Nelly's uh, cohorts there from the Horror Mafia podcast. Uh, we haven't really made any official announcements on that one yet, so I'm going to uh, stay hush-hush on that one for a little bit. But yeah, that should we're going to be recording episode one of that podcast. Um, that will be available on the Horrorphilia Network. And um, tell you what, I'm not going to tell you what the podcast is about, but I'll give you the title. Um, because the title will tell you absolutely nothing about the podcast. So the name of that podcast is going to be Beneath the Zenith. So go ahead and wrap your little brains around that one. Beneath Uh, the Zenith. Exactly, yes. It is not a Mm. horror movie podcast. It's not even truly a movie podcast in general. Uh, There is a specific topic that we'll tackle every week or every two weeks on the show. But um, like I said, once we uh, make a formal announcement, I'll be able to share more information on that one. 
Nice. Fair enough. All right. Well, we will move right on to Don. Let us know where we can find you at. Alrighty. Well, uh, much like Jerry said, uh, you can find me on uh, Horror Mafia. We uh, should be. We just released um, an episode for uh, Derek uh, a couple weeks ago, and um, we should release our newest episode. Will be out by the time you hear this. It's a uh, list episode involving ten films that we wish were a franchise. Yes. Ooh, that's a uh, good one. That's nice. gonna be good. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with that one. Um, yeah, uh, you can also find us on um, on Horophilia. We have uh, a Patreon page, and yeah, you can find uh, my blog writing as well. I haven't had much time to do it because it's the Fourth of July, getting all kinds of uh, family plans situated and. Uh, I'm writing screeners for various film festivals around the world, but yeah, it's still in action. I still write there, and um, I think that's it. So yeah. All right, ten out of ten, Derek. Well, right after I get off, you fine gentlemen, I'm going to be recording episode sixteen of Cinema Attack. Oh, seventeen. My bad. I lose count because I'm getting to the double digits now. Yeah. What are you cut to the chase? Come on. You know, <laughs> you know. Hey, 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 okay, okay, okay. Wrong show again. I know, but uh, yeah, we're recording our Tartan Agent Extreme show. We're gonna review three movies that were released by Tartan Agent Extreme. So, so excited for that. So, I'm gonna get some water in me and. Is the episode with... gonna be called "What in Tarnation"? <laughs> Imagine. Or what in Tartanation? <laughs> I couldn't help it. I could not help myself. I'm so sorry. It's okay, guys. Uh, continue. <laughs> but that's about it. I'm going to be recording that right after we get offline. So, uh, as for me, I of course am at Kill the Cast, uh, which is where this show comes. That comes out on the Kill the Cast feed, which you can find on iTunes, all that good stuff, Podbean, and in association with. Legion Podcast. We just dropped our episode 50 where we asked the question in the Horror Coliseum who should have the title of best summer camp slasher film? Sleepaway Camp versus The Burning. Uh, We even brought in Alex Edwards from the Skeleton Crew, Banana Laser, and Married with Children Podcast to to help us because it was such a a, a big, you know, batch it was a it was a giant one um and i am also uh filling in for dan chase right now uh back on the married with children podcast so if you missed me there i'm back for a little bit and uh and uh i will say this as a person that promotes over 100 podcasts every week if you have three hours to listen to anything check out episode 50 for kill the cast yeah it was great yeah Yeah, that is uh that is really three good. hours worth your time. Even if you can't, even if you normally do two several at once, for three hour drive, put that one on. Yeah, not yeah be- we normally try to keep kill the cast shows, much like underwater kaiju from outer space, under two hours. But when we do a horror coliseum, it always goes over. And uh, but we keep that one moving. It's a very fun episode. I still cannot believe I'm going to spoil something that Kenneth said. Sleepaway camp has no atmosphere. Still can't believe it to this day. Uh, well, he wasn't I'm, a fan I'm, of opera either. I'm just saying, but <laughs> I'm I'm actually gonna lean towards agreeing with him. Sleepaway, 
Sleepaway Camp is one of those movies that's known for one scene and one scene only. Now, granted, it's an iconic, iconic scene, but I mean, the rest of the movie is subpar to me. Um, you're, I, you're personally, my I, female penis very angry. I'm very sorry. I, I'll, I'll give it a little rub later. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in, in my opinion, the burning is head and shoulders above Sleepaway Camp. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, guys, uh, definitely check that out. Links in the description for, of course, Cinema Attack and Horror Mafia and Theme Warriors slash Evil Episode Just Movie slash Horrorcast. Slash uh, <laughs> everything uh, else that all, just uh, 80s all rad radio, Mick Jagger, Raygon <laughs> Lips, uh, them, uh, and then soon, uh, Beneath the Zenith, uh, which is actually, I figured it out, it's about Magic the Gathering, um, because there was that ca- five card set, uh, where oh, each man. color got a zenith. Um, that would actually make sense since Bill Casanelli is a big uh, board game and card game player. <laughs> yeah, so I'm pretty sure I'm pretty positive. Don't put any money it's on. About. It. If it's not about that, I think it's a book club. I'm not sure. I'm guessing here. We'll find out later. Uh, if it's not out by the next time we record, hopefully he'll oh, yeah. give us some information. But it should be. So either way, uh, for everyone out there, these were the visions from Monsterland. Thank you for joining the Underwater Kaiju. From outer space, we will see you next time. Let's fry that lizard!